0: Good morning. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord today to see you. Do you need encouraging today? I'm going to tell you two things that are going to encourage you. Number one, the Lord is in control. I encourage you no matter what's coming down the path. And number two, he loves you. He loves you. And I know we've been talking a lot about that in the book of 1 John you know we're coming down the stretch? Any, any of you watched the Kentucky Derby yesterday? So, I love listening to that call as they're coming down the stretch. Oh, my goodness, that is just awesome. You, know, you just want to hit rewind, listen to it again and again and again. So, as I'm watching that race, I'm like, my guy didn't win. I based it off the interviews of the jockeys, and I picked one. And uh, my horse didn't win. I'm not even sure what place it came in. But anyways, I'm Thinking about that stretch run, I'm like, we're in the stretch run of 1 John, and we're almost to the end. Believe it or not, Lord willing, we will be concluding the book on June the 4th. That is right around the corner. How many of you believe that? (laughs) Okay, great, great. Glad you do. All right. We want to read some scripture today to uh, encourage us, and I want to read the passage we're going to look at this morning. Just to kind of get a head start on that, so that I won't have to go back and reread all that, or start with that um, when we get going this morning. So we're going to um, begin in verse nineteen, and we're going to go through chapter five, verse three, and actually three a. But we'll read through the entire verse. And as you know, chapter breaks are they're not inspired, and so. John's continuing his thought on love even as we get into chapter 3. Beginning in verse 19, he says, We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, notice the emphasis there on his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. That's the assumption. By this we know that we love the children of the God. And that's how it reads in the original language. Not just God, but of the God. When we love the God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. And our prayer is that we'll be good listeners as the Spirit of God leads us this morning. And I hope that you spent some time before you got here this morning preparing for worship. That's important to do. The Lord allowed me to prepare a good bit last night. I I only got about four hours of sleep. And as I'm laying there at three o'clock saying, Lord, why am I wide awake? He says, it's for your good that you're wide awake. And so until about 4.30, I just laid there and my alarm was set for 5.30. And I said, wow, Lord, that's only one hour. But I did get that hour of sleep. So I trust you're ready and prepared today to worship the Lord, that you brought your Bibles and that you're ready to open them today. All right. Let's uh, stand. Let's have a word of prayer. And we'll begin our time together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being able to have your letter to us. And just the freedom that we have to open it every day. May we not take it for granted, but give you thanks. As we um, worship you uh, today, I pray that our hearts are prepared and that your Holy Spirit would teach us as we consider the importance of continuing to love you and loving our brothers. In all this, we pray in the wonderful name of Christ, who is
1: Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Pastor said, we are here to worship the King, all glorious above. It says, this, the song says, he is our uh, shield and he's our defender. He's the ancient of days and he's pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. And we're here to praise him this morning. So as we stand together, let's sing, oh, worship the King.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh
1: Sing about that holy God. And I just thought of this a minute ago. We've done this song several times, and all of you just always respond to it because it's a great song of worship. So as we're singing it, if you want to join in, you just feel free to join in, okay? We're going to sing Behold Our God.
3: of the Lord. Father, we do just thank you so much for all that you give us, uh, just in your love for us, but even more than that, that we can come and adore our Lord and our King. You're an awesome God. And as displayed, you are holy, holy, holy. And as we transition from this part of worship into the next, I just ask that you be with us and open our minds and hearts that we might receive the message that you have for us, that we might be not just followers of you, but ambassadors for you. And, Lord, I thank you that uh, we're able to set this time apart this morning to uh, just spend a little bit of time in knowing you better. And I pray that you be with Thad as he brings a message. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: one of the things I was thinking as they were singing that song behold our God seated on the throne I thought about the people who have been here in the last several years have gone to be with the Lord and they're doing that right now they're behold beholding their God he's seated on the throne and they're worshiping him and do you know if you're a believer in Christ you're transitioning to that point um Aren't you glad that this life is not all we have? Oh, my goodness. I mean, there's just no hope for these poor people that don't know Christ. Outside of Christ, they need the Lord. And so the Lord has given us the mission to share the good news of the gospel. And I hope we're taking every advantage of that. Alright, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking it's 1049, and I can, we can beat some of those Methodists to the steakhouse today, right? That's what you're thinking, be honest. It's okay. I uh, ran across these little um, quotes from children on love thought you might find them interesting. This is from Rebecca, age 8. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when he got arthritis too. Tommy, age six, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. (laughs) Boy, there's a lot of wisdom in that one. Oh my goodness, that's funny. And then Danny, age seven, love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and takes a sip before giving it to him. To make sure the taste is okay. <laughs> Out of the mouth of children. A lot of little humor there and wisdom as well. This morning I want to spend time looking at this section. Trying to understand better the issue of agape love. As we said, you know, John just, we would, we would comment, he just seems overbearing I think probably to some, maybe even to his readers as they received this wonderful letter, how much time are you going to spend talking about love? Well, as much time as the Holy Spirit would lead him to do that. And he spent a good amount of time, so apparently believers need reminders on love, the importance of love. The importance of demonstrating love to one another in the body. It's a pretty simple outline that I've given to you. And what I want to do is work through that outline. And then I want to give you some things to think about uh, from other passages of Scripture along the way. And to conclude our message this morning. And uh, before we uh, do that, I want to have prayer. Father, thank you so much that we can um, open your word. It's your love letter to us, and we want to understand better what you have given to us to do that would bring honor and glory to your name. We pray for the Spirit of God to lead us in the name of Christ. I pray, Amen. All right. So he begins this little section uh, in verse nineteen and. On your handout, I've given you um, the 23rd on one side. That was a couple of weeks ago. And I kind of summarized that for you. And we talked about the judgment seat of Christ. Our focus was about that and and, and not being ashamed when we see the Lord. We don't want to be ashamed. And um, we talked about that. And I wanted to make sure you understand that that judgment seat of Christ is for believers of the church age. Okay? That's who will be present at that judgment. So if you are in Christ, that is something that you will experience, and that is the judgment seat of Christ, and you will give an account, and I will give an account for our love, and I don't know how much I'd really honestly thought about that um, before I began rereading and working through uh, 1 John, but it's something to certainly consider. So we transition this morning to our understanding of agape love. I think John really wants his audience, obviously, to get this. And I think all of that comes from the upper room discourse that um, John was present for with the Lord Jesus. And this is just not some happenstance here that we have this instruction. John spent time with the Lord Jesus. He was called the beloved disciple. Um, Apparently the closest of all the disciples to the Lord. And um, when you're around the Lord, what are you going to experience? Love. And so John experienced that. And I think a lot of what he writes here uh, is as a result of what he saw in the life of the Lord Jesus. And the instruction that was given to him by the Lord Jesus. As well as to the other disciples. So this morning we come to... um, This section I've labeled understanding, agape love. We come to verse 19. And verse 19 is about reminding these believers of a couple of very important things. First of all, he says in verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Love happens. It does happen in the body of Christ. John loved. The other disciples loved. Remember the commandment, the new commandment the Lord gave to them. In John chapter 13, uh, Judas had already left the room. And one of the, the great things that Jesus told his disciples that was so weighty is that the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. So if it was true then, then it's true now. The, the world is going to know that we are followers of Christ, by our love for one another. And so the reaction and the responses that we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ is very, very critical. So love does happen. In fact, um, in the Greek language, we uh, it says here, we love, which is in the present tense. We do that. And we continue to do that. But do we do it perfectly? Answer, no. Do we do it all the time? Answer, no. In fact, you have letters like Ephesians where Paul is breaking down some of the sin issues for those believers. And he talks about in a section in Ephesians about not grieving the Spirit of God, and that's in the context of things that can go on in the life of the believer that are really ugly, like anger and bitterness and strife and all that kind of stuff. So we understand that we do love, and we, I think, understand that we should love, but we don't do it perfectly. And we want to be reminded of what agape love is. It's an active... This is very important. If you've never written this down, you need to write it down. It's an active volitional choice on the part of the believer, okay? And you make that decision every single day, and so do I, okay? That's very important to hear. We also have heard, and it's true, and it's connected to the word sacrifice. It's connected to the word unconditional. We're not waiting for that person in the body of Christ to arrive at a loving point. Does that make sense? We're not not looking at... Well, now, I think they've arrived there. I can start loving them. That's not the idea at all. The idea is that I love, I demonstrate, I actively demonstrate love. When was the last time that you came to church thinking, I am going to actively demonstrate agape love today, Lord, however your spirit may lead me to do that? Wouldn't that be phenomenal? To, To just experience that as a church? That every one of us next Sunday morning before we walked in would pray, Lord... I want your spirit to lead me in this thing called agape love. Help me to demonstrate that. I can't demonstrate it to everyone in the building, but I can demonstrate it to someone in the building. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? It certainly would be nice on the part of the one receiving that, for sure. But I can tell you that, that the um, only way that happens is as we are abiding in the Lord and being led by the spirit of God. And then John reminds them he says he first loved us. The only way that we can have agape love is because of the fact that he loved us and we belong to him. He demonstrated his love to us, 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. He sent his son to be the savior of the world. He gave us his spirit. These are some of the ways that God has loved us. So he sent his son to be the savior of the world. He gave us his spirit. That happens at salvation. Do you know that, right? It happens at salvation. It's something that no one else in the world has. So when you're walking down the street, one of the things that you can think of is, because I belong to the Lord, I have the Spirit of God that resides in me. He lives in me. I can depend on Him. Um, Wow, what a gift. He told His disciples, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to provide to you another helper, another helper of the same kind which would be His Spirit that would begin to indwell believers at Pentecost. Listen, the only way that you and I make it through the day and days and months and weeks and such is the Spirit of God. What does it tell us in the Bible about the Spirit of God? He's our comforter. He comforts us. We need that comforting on a regular basis. I asked you right in the beginning of the service, do you need encouragement today? Well, you know, the primary encourager in your life is the spirit of the living God. And you know what's so awesome? The spirit of the living God lives in you. He's in you. <laughs> well, I began to think about uh, this particular issue of demonstrating love and I ran across a quote by William McDonald, who served as president of Emmaus Bible College years, years ago. He wrote some 80-plus books. This is what William McDonald said about the love of the Lord. He said, he demonstrated his love toward us. He sent his son to die for us. Such love should move us to respond by saying, you have bled and died for me, and from this moment on, I will live for you. I think one of the you know, phrases in churches is, Especially the longer you're a believer, uh, it's hard to tune in sometime to phrases that you're familiar with. Would you agree with that? Like, I've heard that before. I've heard he loves me. I've heard that he died for me. We can't hear it enough. We can't be reminded enough of the love of the Lord. Well, as I began to think about that, I went beyond First John and I started thinking about God's love. And it took me to different places in the Bible... But one of the places that it took me is to the book of Genesis. Um, You know that God demonstrated his love to Adam and to Eve in the beginning. Did you know that? He did that before the fall. I just wanted to remind you of these things. This is the love of God in their life. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Can you imagine what it must have been like to receive that kind of of command from the Lord? He loved Adam and he loved Eve. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. I love you. I'm providing for you. Right, the Lord loves us, doesn't He? He provides for us. We know that He meets our needs. Uh, people tend to be about the wants, but we can say that He meets our needs. Goes on to say and to every animal of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. We serve a good, good God. God who loves, and in the beginning demonstrated that to Adam and Eve. And God saw all that he had made. Behold, it was very good. That's the distinctive between gay six and the rest. It was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. It was very good. (laughs) You like that? You're awake? You like that? It It was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. It was very good. He loved man. But as you think about what's amazing here, you Ready? He loved man before the fall. He loved man after the fall. We need to think on that. He loved man before the fall. He loved man after the fall. You say that? How do you know that? Well, Bible tells us. Look at this. This is after the fall. This is after the judgment. Of Adam and of Eve and the serpent. Look, what is this? Now, the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Here's the love. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. Why? He loved them. You know what that picture is of? What would be necessary in the future? Because here you have garments of skin. Well, these garments of skin that covered Adam and covered Eve required what? A sacrifice. And one day the perfect sacrifice would come. And here, you ready for this? You're not ready for this. Listen to this. When we trust Christ as our Savior, we are clothed with the garment of righteousness, which is Christ himself. That's good stuff. That'll teach and preach all day long. We can stay here till the Baptists are done. Wow. Guys, I would encourage you. Didn't do it all for you. Not gonna do it all for you. I would encourage you to go through your Bible and just take that subject of love. Lord, how did you demonstrate your love throughout Scripture? Because it's not just in John's writings. It's not just in Peter's writings. It's not just in Paul's writings. It's all over the Bible. And one day you and I are going to sit in the presence of the one who loves us the most. And we're going to do what we did earlier. We're going to sing and rejoice. Right? Right? In the presence of the one who's on the throne. All right. It's hard for me to go to point to point. You ever notice? You have noticed that. I can just spend so much time, but I I can't. Well, there's a ruling given. He goes from reminding them to giving them what would be a ruling. This is a ruling. Now, John's not one of those dudes that says, I really hope this hits. You in the right way. Um, He just hits them. Okay. With something really strong. And he tells them in verse 20. If someone says. I love God. And hates his brother. His brother. My interpretation of that. Is that he's not just talking about. Any person. But he's talking about a believer. Okay. That's my understanding. There's some that view it as. Just a general viewing of a brother of any person. I don't believe that personally, but that's what some do, and I respect that. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, meaning a believer, he is a liar. Now, that's strong language, no matter how you're reading that. I mean, he doesn't just go, well, I'm going to take it easy on these guys. No, he's, he's telling them, look, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for the one who does not love his brother, meaning believer, whom he has seen, we see each other and we make a volitional decision whether or not we're going to love or not. Notice what he says cannot love God whom he has not seen. Can't you just hear the conversations? The church at Ephesus, which John had a a big part of. Can you hear someone coming up to him, maybe, you know, and saying something like this Hey, John, like what you wrote? No, no, here's the thing, John. I love God. But have you met Joseph and Sarah? I don't love them. Well, to which John would reply, That's impossible. That's impossible because God said it's impossible. See, if we believe the Scriptures, and I hope we do, we know that these men were led by the Spirit of God. They were moved not devoid of their personalities. But we do know, right, that the Word of God is inspired. It's God-breathed. So this is a message from God. This is not just John's opinion. John's saying, hey, look. This definitely can't happen. And do you know how that reads in the original? It definitely can't happen. That's how it reads. That's why I put what I did. No shot. He says, we definitely can't love God if we're not loving our brothers. Hand in hand. They go together. Love God. If I'm loving God... I'm loving my brothers, okay? It's going to happen. If I'm abiding in the Lord, I'm going to love my brothers. If I'm walking by the Spirit, I'm going to love my brothers. But however many of you have been guilty along with me of not walking by the Spirit or not abiding, and I'm looking at my brother, and I'm looking at my sister, and we don't like to think of the term hatred like this being, that we like to think of it like, oh man, that's something this believers can't do. No, we can do that. And we do that. I've done that. I raised both of my hands. I've done that. So we know when we're not in right fellowship with the Lord. And so John's telling these guys, look, you might think you can, but you definitely can't. You remember back in the day when you were being raised, for those of you who are maybe like 40s and older, and your parents looked at you, you wanted to do something, and they said, you definitely can't do that. You didn't go, well, hey, let's have a discussion. (laughs) You didn't do that. Do you know there are a lot of definitely can'ts in the Bible? You ever thought about it? Definitely can't. In other words, it's not God's will. You can't do that. There's lots of them. I mean, just read the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. I mean, we definitely should not commit adultery. Agree with that? We definitely should not covet. Right? We definitely should not bear false witness. We definitely should not steal. There are a lot of definitely nots. And they come from the Lord. Our culture doesn't like to deal with definitely not. Let's just be honest. Um, I think our culture just likes kind of like an open border concept. In other words, just do what you want to do. There's no consequence. But there is consequence. I'm in the process of, of thinking about writing a book. Aren't you excited? And um, I think the title of the book is going to be, You Will Live Forever. And I think it's only going to have three chapters. I've never been much on big books. I'm just like, man, a lot of it, have you ever read big books? There's a lot of it, repeat, repeat, repeat. I'm like, three chapters. Right now, the Lord has only given me three chapter titles. And to be honest with you, I hope that's all he gives me. But my mind in that has been just being honest with people. Right? We need more of definitely can and definitely can't. Well, John says, no shot. You got to love your brother. And if you're not loving your brother, you're not loving the Lord. But then he says in verse 21, you definitely should or ought to. I think some translations, there's one translation that has the word must. Um, I think the better translation is should or ought to. That reflects better in the original language. There's no doubt that we should love our brothers and sisters. I didn't put this on um, the screen earlier. But one of the kids, I thought that was fascinating, said about love. If I think about it, I'll bring it next time said about love, said, we ought to start with the people that we find easier to hate. That's where we ought to start this love thing. Thought that's pretty amazing for a child to say that. But obviously that child has experienced some of that temptation in their life. So John says, you definitely should. Look at verse 21. This commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. You ever made a list of those folks in your life that it's hard to love? I I can be on that list. I'm I'm okay with that. Right? I mean, hey, we have to to assume, guys, that we're hard to love at times. Teresa's not here today. (laughs) But I'm quite certain. I'm pretty positive. That there are times when she has a difficult time loving her husband. Might be hard to imagine, but I'm sure that's the case. We need the help of the Lord. It just only emphasizes that. So we should love our brothers. And maybe one of those exercises is to write down, Lord, help me to love this person. And you know it would be really a good exercise. Lord, help me to love this person and open up an opportunity that I might demonstrate agape love to them. And then be ready for that to happen. Because <laughs> the Lord's good about answering prayer. Wayne Barber, who um, was with Precept Ministries, was with Precept Ministries, says, agape love is not shown just by our words, but it is shown by our words. But agape love is stressed more about action. He says, agape love is not shown just by our words, but also especially by our actions, Right? demonstrating that to other folks. My mom's mom was so good at that. She was just one of, you know the way that she demonstrated agape love giving? She was a giver. Give, 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 give. All the time. And I'm not just talking about financially. But I'm talking about just giving to people. She just, when, when she would go into a room, she saw the people. You know what I mean by that? She just didn't browse the room. She saw the people intently. She was just so good at that. One of the greatest encouragements that I'll take away from my mom's mom is that. She's just such a lover of people. And she loved demonstrating that to folks. All right. Well, now we come to the third point. Which takes us to chapter 5. And he's reinforcing here some things that he said um, and that the Lord said about love. Okay? Um, First of all, he's reinforcing that we can know when we are loving God's children. And he's reinforcing that love for God's children is inseparable from loving God and obeying his commandments. It all goes together. Right? Right? Look what it says in chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah there is born of God, right? Um, And whoever loves the father loves the child. Notice that that's italicized. It's it's there for our reading purposes. The child born of him. So it is expected that those who are born again love those who who are born again. Right? That's expected. And and as I've said before probably to you and I know you remember but I'm going to stress it again, that goes beyond this building. That goes to all believers. Believers that maybe we've been separated from in the past. One of the hardest experiences I ever went through as a teenager was watching my church go through a church split. Man, it was just awful. I was a teenager 16, maybe 17 years old, and I'm talking about 60-40 split, like split. And it was over the issue of legalism. It's just the bottom line. And um, you were on the side of grace, right? Or, Or you were on the side of legalism. And it was just a, it was an awful scene. And one of the things I've come to realize over the years is when I've had contact with people who were on the other side, It was easy to view them as enemies instead of friends. And enemies instead of my brothers or my sisters. They had different viewpoints on things, right? But they were still my brothers and my sisters. That's just practically speaking one of the hardest things you'll ever deal with in your Christian life and probably have already dealt with is when there is separation of believers. That's a hard thing. Because people in their minds are naturally going... Which side do I choose? And if I choose this side, then I'm done with those people. And if I choose this side, then I'm done with those people. Here's good news. No, you're not. God doesn't give us the freedom to be done with those people, right? That's just the bottom line. And you know what's so interesting? I don't know if you'll find this interesting, but it's interesting as I think about it the man that led me to Christ was on the other side. He said, Thad, how was that? Hard. Did you make things right with him? Yes. And I can say he made things right with me. In fact, he helped my family move to New York State. Pretty cool story. 1991. He He would always keep up with me. Thad, you going to the ministry? Yeah, I'm going to the ministry. Never going to be a pastor, but I'm going to go in the ministry. I'm going to go work with the youth the rest of my life. I'm a, I feel young. I am young. Now I'm not so young, but I still feel young. And that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to work with young people. I love young people because I know what it's like to go through those things. Right? And I want to be with them and I want to help them. He, found, he finds out I'm going to New York. He said, "That can I come help you move? I said, absolutely you can. We drove a truck to New York State, and we talked about the Lord. You know, it was hard talking about what was in the past, but we dealt with that. He said, that, how have you handled that? I said, well, it was confusing when I was 17 years old. He's about 10 years older than I am. In all these years, he's kept up with me. You know why? Because I'm his brother, and he loves me. And he's my brother and I love you. Well, let's deal with these two things briefly. We can know when we are loving God's children. That's what it says, verse 2 By this we know that we love God's children when we love God. He's already discussed that a little bit. And observe, in the word there is keep, and keep his commandments. You say, where where are the commandments? That's plural. It's not singular. Well, there's plenty of commandments in 1 John. There were commandments in the book of John, the gospel of John, given by the Lord to the disciples. Did you know if you read Romans chapter 12, I would encourage, that's an assignment for you today. I was saving this for the end, but I'm going to give it to you now. Here's your assignment. Read Romans chapter 12. In verses 1 and 2, you're going to see the general will of the Lord. But in in verse 3, through the rest of the chapter, you're going to see God's specific will for the believer as it relates to love. And boy, oh boy, you're going to love it. It's a lot of hard stuff and impossible stuff without the help of the Holy Spirit. But I would encourage you to do that. So he says we can know when we are loving God's children. When we love God and when we keep or observe His commandments. Remember I said to you earlier, the word the occurs before children of God. It reads children of the God. There's only one God. And then he says, when we love the God. I love that about John. Because he's just saying, look, there's one God. That's it. And they were in a culture of polytheism where there were in that Roman and Greek world uh, gazillions of gods. Uh, John is reminding his readers, hey, look, there's one. We can know when we are loving God's children, he says, when we love God and observe His commandments. And by the way, you say, that. how do we love God? Obey Him. Serve Him. That's how we obey the Lord. And Romans 12 gives a beautiful picture of that. So as you're studying that this afternoon, sending me your emails of what you're learning. That would be awesome. Okay. Um, well, then he says also, not only can we know when we are loving God's children, but he says that love for God's children is inseparable from loving God and obeying His commandments. It all ties together. That's what he says verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments And his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. They're burdensome if you're a legalist. Oh, they're burdensome if you're that. If it's check, 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 what an awful way to live. Versus, let me give you something really awesome to think about being led by the Holy Spirit. Every single morning, Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me today in my love for others. It's not, well, I've got this hundred point list. I better get it all right, man. What bondage that is! I like the way that um, Adam Clark, who was a Bible scholar in the eighteen hundreds, he summarizes section so so well. Look what he says: Our love for God's children is evidence that we love God. Our love for God's God, excuse me, is why we love His children. And keeping God's commands is proof that we love Him. So he just took all that and said, there you go. Here's the sentence. And he stayed true to the text. Um, We can know that we are loving God's children when we are loving God. So every morning it's on our minds, Lord, help me to love you through serving you, through worshiping you. All those things that the Christian needs to be active in. Well, I wanted to show you a passage. I was going to do two, but I'll just do one, and I've got a slide that I want to close with. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians, (coughs) excuse me, chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. (coughs) I should have brought my water. 1 Corinthians 13. Remember, I told you, if you investigate God's Word, you're going to see love, 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 agape love, agape love, agape love. And one of the things that we find out in 1 Corinthians 13, and now this is very important, in the context of spiritual gifts. Okay, this is, you can't just pull 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 out of a hat and go, well, I'm going to use it for this. It's okay if you use it for that. A lot of times it's used at weddings. But you've got to explain the context. I mean, I, at least I think so. If you don't, I guess that's all right, but I, I could never do that, all right? In the context of spiritual gifts, the Apostle Paul talks about this love thing. You say, now, Thad, who are these spiritual gifts? Who do they involve? Uh, you and me. <laughs> if you know the Lord, they involve you and me. It's one of the ways we demonstrate agape love. Would you agree with that, right? Even if you don't agree with it, that is one of the ways. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, in talking about the demonstration of agape love, In the context of spiritual gifts. (coughs) Excuse me. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have agape love. (laughs) That's the word. I have become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Wow. By the way, Paul's not, he's not easy with his words sometimes either. Right? Look at verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy... And know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have what? Love, I am nothing. Oh, so this love thing's important. Yeah, it is. And here's why it is Agape love is important because it takes me, listen to this, out of the center. Right? It takes me out of the center. So, <clears throat> in other words, it's not about me demonstrating gifts. It's about the Lord demonstrating them through Perfect timing. Thank you, Sam. Water. I just can I just take a drink real quick, yes? Yeah. Hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. Demonstration of love and kindness. We planned it right before the service. <laughs> now we really did. We did. What I was saying to you though is agape love, right? It's so important because it takes me out of focus and it puts the focus where it belongs, which is the Lord. So spiritual gifts are not about us. Now, how, how would that be heard in some places? Hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, it wouldn't be heard very well. Yeah, but that, I thought it was about me. Well, no, it's not about you. It's about the Lord, see? So he says, verse 3, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Right? Because it's all about me. And then he says, in the context of this, (laughs) spiritual gifts, he says, love is patient. All these easy things. Love is kind. See, because on the, here it is, love and people. Let me say that again. Love and people. In the context of a church body, very critical that all of us are on the same page with using our gifts and allowing God's love to flow through us. So that we are serving others for the glory of God and not for our own. Love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous. Ugh, tough one. Does not brag, tough one. Is not arrogant, tough one. Have I read an easy one yet? Does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness. You say say believers rejoice in unrighteousness? Mm, You need to think about that. I would say yes, that happens. Guys, we are living in a confusing culture. Not just outside the walls of the church. But inside the church, how many denominations are wrestling over things that, for years and years and years, were just that's what God has said, and they're no longer that. And there's this: I got to placate to this crowd and this crowd and this crowd because I got to like. I want them to like me, And, and I want them to to come, and so they'll give money. And I want them to stay in their seat. Can I just be thankful to the Lord? He didn't make me like that. I, and I say that unashamedly. I love the, I was thinking about it because I told you I was up this morning. And the Lord has witnessed about 3.30 or 4 o'clock, I said, Lord, I am so thankful that I love your word. Because if I didn't, there'd be some things I'd leave out. Like maybe this passage. <laughs> so it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is it not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. <whistles> it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I've been in the ministry for 33 years now, full-time. I don't know how you're going to hear this. <laughs> I've had love demonstrated to me by a lot of people, but not all the people. And I've demonstrated love to a lot of people, but not all the people. You say, fad! That's awful. true but who else who in here could say they've done it to all the people so it's just like one of those things this morning just hit me like a ton of bricks because i was up and up and up and lord's like hey that why don't you pray about those opportunities to love yes lord i'm gonna do that so from this day forward with the help of the lord i'm gonna do that I want to leave you with this. It ties to the message. Because of that very first statement on the right, as I'm looking at it. Back in the 1980s, that's a couple of minutes ago. You know, when kids say that these days, they're like, Wow, the 1980s, that was so long ago. It was a couple of minutes ago. I was alive, by the way, in the 1980s. I was alive, by the way, in the 1970s, and I was alive back in the 1960s. Boy, that's hard to believe. You know, I remember listening to the radio, and they'd do oldies, the oldies, you know, it'd be like 1950s, 1960s, and they finally got to the 1970s, and I thought, oh, my goodness, then they got to the 1980s. Are they to the 90s? I didn't listen to that music. I stopped listening to the music when it didn't. I couldn't understand what they were saying. I couldn't understand what's going on. One of the things that you'll find if you research online, how many songs have the word loving? Oh, my goodness, right? The Beatles, I mean, you, just, you can start naming groups. By the way, listen to the songs that you used to listen to. Some interesting songs. But a lot of them have the word love in them, and even today, like country music, it's either got liquor or love in it. I mean, it's all through it, right? Um, one of the things, though, in the 1980s that came out was Sun Life, and Sun Life is, it's not a, um, um, it's not a program, it's a philosophy of ministry. And so I started listening to tapes. <laughs> Young people are like, tapes? What are you talking about? Tapes. Now, my car, my Ford Pinto, I had an 8-track, but well, that's even a long time ago. <laughs> but um, you remember those 8-tracks? Those things were, like, huge, man, its uh, like a big old hamburger. But um, in the 1980s, they had, we had cassette tapes, and I was listening to Sun Life Ministries, and they had this foundations uh, ministry, and, and, and Dan Spader was the president of Sun Life Ministries. And, man, it really caught my attention because it wasn't a program, but it was a philosophy of ministry. And so I was at Faith Chapel at the time working under uh, another youth pastor. And he and then Taylor Park worked together a lot uh, at Springville Road. And um, they would have youth group, you know, big events together. And all of that had a foundation to it, and this was the foundation, and so the youth ministries went from, I think, being program-oriented to being more of a philosophy of ministry. And this philosophy of ministry was something that really it, it transcends every ministry. I mean, you can use it in any ministry you're involved with because it, there are principles here that you can use to develop a good, solid foundation for that ministry. And so when I went to New York in 1991, that's what we did. You know what they were doing when I went up there in 1991? They were doing Word of Life program. There was this huge chart, big as that wall it seemed like. There were probably 7,500 kids. One kid, are you listening to me? One kid was doing the program. And so my first observation, I walked down that hall, I was like, yeah, that's not working. And so I was pretty young. I was 26, a little vivacious, and I was just going to change the world, right? And so I met with the youth leaders and said, hey, look, man, I got something I want to introduce to you. I probably should have slowed down a little bit. Back then, I just couldn't slow down. I was young. I had a lot of energy. And I I didn't know any better. I had no idea that that would be like, hey, hold on a second, buddy. So um, they had that hold on a second, buddy moment. And I said, look, why don't we just go to one of these and we'll just kind of check it out together. And long story short. By the end of that next year, we're doing Sun Life Ministries, which transformed our ministry. It just transformed it completely. And one of the primary ways that it transformed it was it developed, uh, there's two things that happened. There was a love for one another that began to develop within the ministry, right? Students loving on students, but then it did impact the ones coming from the outside who were not a part of the church. And so that love was going on. It was really great. So whether we were talking about believer or unbeliever, there was a lot of love going on. Well, I'm closing with this kind of as an advertisement because in August, we're going to have a Sun Life Day. It's going to be on a Saturday. And I'm going to teach this Sun Life um, philosophy of ministry and give the foundations, as you can see, they're there for you to kind of take a look at today. But notice the top one. All right? Not about Creating an atmosphere of love. Like, that needs to happen in Awana, in Sunday school, in youth ministry, in women's ministry, right? Men's ministry. It, you know, it touches all of them, right? It's just all of them. So, I'm going to continue to promote this because I'd love for any of you and all of you to come on that Saturday and just listen to that and see how the Lord might use that in the ministries that you're involved in I know our youth ministry has had that as its foundation for years and years and years. And do you know that on Wednesday nights, there's, what, 45 to 50 youth that are coming on Wednesday nights, uh, be it our kids that attend here and outside. And one of the things, when you walk in there, those kids, they're loving on each other, all right? And I know that the leaders love them, and we have some fantastic leaders. So I'm just thankful for the ministry, and we want to continue to develop that And uh, see that grow. And so any of you that are interested, I'll give you dates and all that kind of thing. I can't remember the date right now. I think it's August 12th, but I'm not 100% positive. Is that right? Amanda's shaking it. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. August the 12th. It'll be on a Saturday. We'll feed you and all that kind of good stuff. But it'll be a a really good day, I think, to kind of learn a little bit more about that. All right? Well, let's have prayer. And then uh, Ron's going to come and lead us in a song. Father, thank you for your word. Thanks for the opportunity to open it up today. I pray that you were honored and that, um, that Father, that uh, we would take the things that we have learned and been reminded of today and apply them in our lives. In the name of Christ, amen.
1: <clears throat> to close the service this morning, Mark, did you get my text just in? I was. If you see me, if you see me texting up in the front, usually I'm <laughs> talking to them or somebody else. Um, but um, this is a song. It comes from Psalm 42, Psalm 42, verse 11, and um, I have it on my, my phone here. I, br- I put it up the other day. Um, this is. Excuse me for this. Um, and I, it's, it's it's something that has spoken to me in the last several weeks, and I have just kind of zeroed in on it. And I think it really shows us the love of God uh, during times of discouragement and times of depression. And we're, we're in a lot of things in our life that are going on that sometimes can be pretty depressing. But um, this is it right here. This is this is kind of a chorus in that uh, that Psalm forty-two. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And during times of discouragement and times of depression and times when things don't go right, we know that God loves us enough that we can trust him and we can go to him. Anyway, this is a song that uh, I want you to listen to the words to. And if you know it, sing along with me. Uh, It says, Lord, from sorrows deep I call. So uh, just listen to the words as as I sing it. Lord,
4: from sorrows deep I call. When my hope is shaken Torn and ruined from the fall Hear my desperation For so long I've bled and prayed God come to my rescue Even so the fall. Will praise you should my
1: life be torn from me every word lead. I'm sorry, can we start that, one, that that verse again? I'm sorry. Storms within my troubled
4: soul questions without answers. On my faith these billows roll. God be now my true shelter. Why are you cast down my soul? Hope in The fires have all grown cold. Cause this heart to break. still my God, my salvation.
0: Ron, you need to stop texting in church now. (laughs) Are you texting Denise? (laughs) All right. Well, we're very excited today to be able to um, present to the congregation new members. That's always exciting to do. It it thrills my heart as uh, the Lord leads different folks here. And um, I'm going to ask them to come to the front. Uh, One of them asked me if they had to talk. I said I would never... Uh, make you do that, but we do want to recognize these folks. We we'll give you an opportunity to come up um, and introduce yourself to them, and uh, your first opportunity to kind of love in action, kind of thing. All right. And so um, we're going to have uh, June and Anita Nation. Well, here's th- I got I got permission to do that, so. Y'all come forward. And then Rodney and Sherry Oglesby. Graduation's almost here, right? I feel like I'm doing a graduation. Um, Scott and Nikki Rumble and their daughter Abigail. Y'all could come to the front. And then Mike and Beth Taylor. It's a good-looking crowd, isn't it? Well, that's about to change. No I'm kidding. <laughs> and then there's one on here I recognize. His name is Caleb Blunt. Caleb, our oldest son. He's still loved, even though he's a Packer fan and an Auburn fan. I was over for two with him. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful to have these folks standing up here today? We are uh, thrilled that they're joining us, and let me just be the first to say I'm thrilled that you guys are a part of our congregation and look forward to what the Lord's going to do through your life and ministry uh, here Um, I want to have a word of prayer and then um, you'll have an opportunity to come up and introduce yourself uh, to them and welcome them uh, to our fellowship So let's stand and let's let's close in prayer Father it's so good to be in your house today to be with believers, to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I just want to take an opportunity, Lord, just to thank you for these folks that are standing up here, for their desire as believers to be involved, to want to be involved in a fellowship. And we're thankful for what they're going to bring to us and how they will serve you. And um, Lord, I just pray that you would lead them and guide them by your Spirit and that we would... Um, love on these folks and um, just show them how much we appreciate them and uh, I just thank you so much for the congregation of people that you have given to us I thank you for those that may be visiting today and I just pray that you would lead them and guide them And uh, Lord we just pray that you would lead them and guide them to the place that you have for them Uh, we always say we would love that to be here but however you would lead those folks we just pray for them We just thank you so much for our time together today. And may we honor you um, this week and all that we say and all that we do. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. You may come up and introduce yourself, all right?